Welcome to Lauren Lender, the most unofficial Outlander podcast on the internet or anywhere. I'm your host, Megan. And for yet again, one more season for some reason, I am your host, Joe. You rhyme. Not on one purpose. more season for that some a, reason. That was a mistake. We, we are very excited, very excited to be back after Droughtlander. It's true. It's true. So excited. So, so excited that Joe bought us brand new professional looking and hopefully sounding podcast mics yeah we're big boys now yeah have, hopefully this sounds a lot better we have professional looking microphones in fact, <laughs> i'm going to take a picture of megan right now with her professional looking mm, microphone i don't know Here you what go. this is okay mm. okay maybe great. we'll post that That's up on loinlander podcast whatever net. that'll be a treat for everyone yeah, there you go so um how was droughtlander for you was it a struggle i mean no not really. Okay. I, I wouldn't call it a struggle. Okay. I would say that's a no. Just a but hard you time. did miss doing this podcast. I mean, I miss Loinlander. Do yes. I miss Outlander? No. And, and our listeners, which yeah. by the way, thank you so much to everyone who does yeah. listen and does contribute to the Facebook page. I'm. I mean, you know, obviously there's some like huge, supremely popular podcasts out there. And not that ours is one of them, but we have uh, somehow, for some reason, carved out our own little niche on the internet, and uh, we're thankful for it. Thanks. We, thank we are. Yeah, thanks everyone for uh, tuning in and engaging. It's actually a whole lot of fun, so we it's really like it. a lot of fun, and I think it's one of the things that has kind of propelled Joe to move forward and continue on yeah. with Loinlander, despite maybe a lack of interest in the actual show. That's right. Outlander. That's a good way to put it. Mm -hmm. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, speaking of the show, there was a new one. There was a new one. Yeah. What it season was, are we in now? Um, we're in season five. Okay. And last night, on Valentine's Day, no less. That's right. <laughs> you and I watched episode one. Yeah. Entitled "The Fiery Cross," which is um, stolen from the title of the book. The book. Blatant plagiarism. So I feel like I need to preface this by saying that um, in the past when we've done this podcast, I have been able to explain the differences between the book and the show. Yes. Um, and for season one and two, certainly, I much preferred, much preferred the show over the book. I really loved the interpretations. But I think I've mentioned before that I did not love the book, The Fiery Cross. In fact, I'm a big reader and I, I read almost every night. And that book, it did take me, what was it? Nigh on three years to actually... A few years, It yeah. took me years. Four score and a hell of a long time. Mm -hmm. uh, to complete and, the book. And I will go ahead and say that I can't really speak to the book because right. when, I, when I did complete it, it had been over such a long period of time and I there was a lot of skimming. And I could be wrong, but is that not actually the last outlander book you've read out of the series it certainly is right i read a little bit of the next one what's it called the flaming i want to say the it? echo in the bone right sounds good yeah but it lost me right okay yeah, yeah. it well, started off stronger sad as it, it is yeah because yeah. you you passionately loved it for a long time so uh I sorry did. that you hit that wall i, I mean, did but i think it's important for everyone listening to understand that this season is based on a book that i did not love <laughs> right even if that, i do love the characters that sentiment may or may not be it echoed may, it may not shine through so <laughs> right. so the dynamic might be slightly different have expectations ready yeah that's right so shall we begin shall we yes so uh 
this starts well it starts with a cold open yeah i love a good cold open yeah i know you do and uh it's young murdy yeah and he is walking up towards little red-haired jamie yeah and have we seen this before because it looked familiar to me it only looked familiar to you because they showed a little clip of it as a teaser and Uh, i made you watch it right that makes sense yeah but how did you like this scene I mean, it's nice. It's it's uh, it was a nice throwback. It's something we already knew happened, but it was nice to actually see it. And I like young Murdy. Uh, I like the uh, red-haired, flopsy young Jamie. And uh, he was not a bad actor. Outlander has in the past cast some really horrible young actors. Yeah, Fergus. Um, but no, no, uh, no, no. But um, that little red-haired guy was not, first of all, red-haired, but also not a bad actor. <laughs> right. The hair acted the hell out of that scene. The fake hair. Yeah. I know. It was good. I, I didn't mind it. And uh, yeah, it, it, it played into the end. It brought it around towards the end. So yeah. Yeah. And then we have the new opening credit sequence. Right. And with time relevant singing. Yeah. Well, you know what? I uh, We've spoken about this in the past, but I, uh, I really hate mm-hmm. when shows that run for a long time keep the same opening credits every season mm-hmm. it used to drive me crazy with shows like mad Men and stuff like that yeah. so i actually really appreciate uh that they update the opening credits uh do they do, i don't know if they do it I do, to an extent every season a little bit they anyway. absolutely but, do it every season yeah and sometimes they switch in the middle of the season so for season two where they were in france yeah the first half of the season the words were actually sung in French. Francais, yeah. Oui, oui. Mm. Mm. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Anyway, uh, like that they changed it up. Yeah. Yeah. And then we are given the title of the episode called The Fiery Cross mm-hmm. and the title for shots, which are Brianna's wedding dress and her hair. I'm not even going to talk about who the director is. I'm not going to talk about this is where we're at. any of that this stuff. Is a little, this is what they call uh, foreshadowing to what Megan... I didn't love the directing. I don't know who it was. Yeah, I feel like we can go ahead and assume it was someone who had not directed a lot of things in the past. Well, maybe who knows? Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure we should go go. We'll look at that. We should do. But honestly, I was so. I wasn't. I was not impressed with the directing of this episode. Yeah, you you actually because Megan always watches it before I do, and uh, she actually made a couple couple comments about it before i even watch it and usually that's the stuff that i pick up on so mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. all right so first scene well i did also want to mention that in the opening credits i was kind of excited about the fact that you could see that sam hewan and katrina balf were listed as producers co-producers right. yes. which i loved yeah alternatively i saw that lucas or luke schnell naz or whoever it is is also a co-producer and he's the person that wrote most of the horrific Roger interpretation episodes for season four. So while I was excited to see Katrina Balfe and Sam Hewen listed as right. producers, I was wildly disappointed to see that that person was still listed as a producer when right. he obviously messed up the character of Roger so substantially that a lot of people wanted Brianna to end up with Lord John Gray at the right. end of yeah. season four, knowing that he is gay. Yeah, I mean, we can... So we've still got that guy writing. Right. So that's good news. No, it's not. (laughs) It's not good news. It's not good news. So um, I did want to talk about these first shots, though, of Brianna's wedding dress. Mm -hmm. Um, I didn't find them to be all that creative or enticing or intriguing or evoking curiosity in any way as the title shots sometimes can. Mm -hmm. How did... What did you think of these title shots? I glazed over it. I gotta admit, 
it, it was, and I mean that not in like a, oh, I don't like Outlander kind of way, but it was just, it was, like you said, it wasn't engaging enough that I even paid attention to it, to be honest. Yeah. As opposed to the title shots of um, season one, episode seven, entitled The Wedding, where Jamie and Claire get married and the title shots are of a cat eating some raw meat in the dark after the celebrations are over. It's sort of a gritty, it's a good, it's a really good title shot. Yeah, I mean, just as the seasons have gone on, the, the I feel like the title slate shots have gotten a little less creative. A the little creativity less, has died know, down a little bit. Less foreshadowing and that sort of thing. Right. So then the first scene we have after the cold open with yeah. Jamie and Murdy is Jamie and Roger preparing for the wedding. Now this was another scene that was that was released because I seen, had seen yeah, this, you this certainly had. scene already. Yeah, you certainly had. Roger talks about, I mean, he's really not sure what he's doing in this century with his life, right? He said, I was thinking about building a loft. Bree said she'd draft some plans for me to follow, which I, I did like that. It's, yeah. you know, a little nod to the fact and a reminder to the fact that Brianna is very capable and right. talented and, and educated. An, and another which is reminder, something... sorry. No, go ahead. Well, that Roger is largely useless. In almost every single way. Right. Like, like he... And then there's a bunch of times in this episode where he, like, wore his uselessness like a badge of honor. He did. Well, and it's funny because we were watching it and Jamie essentially recognizes that he's useless because while Roger's talking about how useless he is, he is incapable of shaving. He can't shave himself. He can't build a damn loft. (laughs) Like, what can Roger do? How did he survive this long? Well, it's funny because do you remember you started, you went off about the fact that he's a historian and theoretically he could make quite a bit of money. Yeah, he's like, I'm going to, I'll get the job doing something. It's like, guess what? You know everything that's going to (laughs) happen. Just like know what's going to happen and make money off it. It's like, oh, look, yeah. this is going to get really popular. Buy that why it's cheap and sell it when it's a lot of money. Like yeah. it's pretty, like it's, yeah. it's, yeah, like he's he's not even good at, at doing what he's good at. Right, yeah. So they're obviously still struggling in the depiction of Roger as a character. Because <laughs> yeah. I will say that despite the fact that I didn't love The Fiery Cross as a book, I, I really, I have always loved the character of Roger as written and described by Diana Gabaldon. Yeah. And I do not think that they are, I don't think they're getting it. Also, I just want to go ahead and say, um, just because we're beating on Roger, mm-hmm. uh, it looks awful without a beard. <laughs> like nothing, nothing makes him, he like, he looks even yeah. less capable of anything with his like ponytail and shorn face. I know. It's not a good look for I you. Know. It's and not it's, a good look. It's such a shame because Richard Rankin is a very handsome yeah. man. Doesn't play. Why cast a handsome man if you're then not going to use it? Right? Like they're know. not interested at all. That's their game. No. Nope. In showing him as handsome. I mean, let's ask you guys. Do you find Roger handsome in this episode? We'll throw it out. Uh, you know, Post it on the Loinlander podcast Facebook group and let, let us know what you think. Maybe I'm wrong. Wouldn't be the first time. Right. So then we have the scene with Claire and Brianna as Claire helps her dress for her wedding. Now, I could barely watch this scene because Megan goes on and on about Sophie's <laughs> wooden acting. And yeah, she's like super wooden. Um, Katrina Balf doing her thing. She's always good. She's the constant. no. She struggles. She struggles up against Sophie Skelton. Yeah, I mean, she really does. And can you blame her? Honestly, I was, I was a little bit taken aback to see what I did see right. in that scene, 
after having seen some real potential at the end of season yeah, four. Yeah, you were she she had uh, she convinced you. Uh, she had won me over Sophie, with is. both her labor scene yeah. and her running. Right. So when when I did when I did revisit Sophie Skelton as Brianna, I was a little bit I was taken aback. And this this scene, I mean, I don't think it's just the actors. The it was a nothing scene. The there script was, really... was exceptionally melodramatic, including her gazing into Claire's eyes and saying "Mama," oh, and Claire looking at her and saying "My baby." And here's the thing: like a lot of I've done a little bit of reading, and I I, I saw that a lot of Outlander fans loved this episode. Yeah. So they they want this. I yeah. think. Well, it's... I think you, you spoke to the fact that there is a lot of uh fan service in this episode to the you know the the diehards there's there's a few things that we'll touch on through that that you you noted that people were really pining for and hey you know what that's good that's their demo that's they shouldn't you know don't worry about pleasing me not that you obviously are outlander but uh no but they could make the show they could make the show pleasing to watch they could make it so that it is an entertaining quick paced yeah you know show that's made in 2020 yeah, that's what it was in season one. So, yeah, yeah, absolutely. So then we have Sam Hewen. Yeah. And Sam's looking good. He is looking great. Yeah, I'm They've go. nailed it on the wig. Yeah, yeah. Um, he's looking great. He's he's looking great. He's acting phenomenally. He is, and I just this is something we didn't even talk about, but I just want to go ahead and say that Sam Hewen. It has actually been kind of fun to watch Sam Hewen's evolution as a as an actor. Uh, in that, yeah, no, he has gone from being... Well, he was excellent in season one. He was very good. I think he got uncomfortable in season two, season three. Yeah, but he, he's evolved in, to the to the point where he can actually carry scenes mm-hmm. now, which I didn't think he could, could do in season one. You know, he had the benefit of Katrina Balfe, and he and Katrina had... Um, we're just on a first name basis now. Mm-hmm. Uh, had a good chemistry with each other. And anytime he was in a scene with Tobias Menzies, he, you know, like... I think anybody could play off Tobias. Yeah, you and I would be phenomenal yeah. actors up against Tobias. But, but now um, he can actually carry scenes by himself. It would be interesting to see, you know, to go back and watch season one or season two. Which you know, we should be doing. No, no, no. But I mean, if like you could have this Sam Hewen, this more experienced Sam Hewen, oh, then. Yeah. But, but I mean, whatever. That, I, that's probably a ton of actors. But mm-hmm. anyway, it's just you know, like I, I know I dogged him a lot in the earlier seasons, and he's he's become one of the strong points of this of this series so I agree. that's good, good for i agree him. i totally agree yeah um so he's looking at uh well he's kind of talking to himself saying old yeah. new borrowed and blue and you <laughs> yeah i mean now let's let's backtrack a bit and say you can only do so much with what you're given how did i feel about this well you were caught off guard you said what is he doing he is the king of men is he just and this is a quote champion bouquet making warrior king of men close quote yeah like, like i mean i don't know it was such a weird scene making... for him to be like oh look something borrowed something blue you know like it was just like it seemed again out of character for what this character is supposed to be not that uh, you know right. a guy can't be so everyone... in touch with his bouquet making side on his Absolutely. on his daughter's wedding day Absolutely. but it just seemed weird anyway whatever everyone who have have read the books right now are yeah. saying oh well jamie has so many sides and that's why he is the king of men because he's a fierce warrior but right. also very careful to make the proper bouquet sort of thing i i assume that's what people who are passionate about this character and the novels would yeah. say 
just to play devil's advocate a definitely bit. though it, with what we've seen he definitely goes more to the bouquet side i would say than the... <laughs> okay so then so then we have him walking well he and claire have a small interaction where she says she's ready for you and he turns and he goes mm. towards brianna and i'm just gonna say that this was probably my least favorite scene ever in the history of Outlander where he stands and Brianna turns around and the music swells as though it's a 1930s silent movie drama with only music and the camera zooms towards his face. Yeah, it was um, just stylistically, it was really out of um, character, I guess. It, It just, it didn't really fit within it like it it almost seemed like a soap opera or something like that like it was a soap opera not like a contemporary soap opera like a soap opera from 1991 yeah like like a really melodramatic like the music swells and we zoom into his face and yeah like like, yeah really spoon feeding the viewer which viewers these days don't need we don't need to know we don't need the swelling music and the zoom in on his face right to know that this is an important moment for him like Right. Quick, tight shots and a strong actor like Sam Hewen could portray that on its own. Like, I don't, I'm not sure why, what, who the director or the editor, or like, I don't know what's happening. Yeah, that's the director. No, I don't yeah, know who selected yeah. this. Yeah. I, I don't know. I'm not sure what happened there. But it was, honestly, as an Outlander fan, that's me, that was a... Real tragic scene. <laughs> well, and, and it was just bizarre. And because it carried they, on. It did carry on, in fact. And the music, like, stayed up under the whole, under the dialogue. Yeah, so and Jamie it was and really... Brianna start to talk to each other. Just sentimental, 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 sentimental. Yeah. Brianna is... Sophie Skelton is trying to act. And <laughs> Jamie is saying his lines. And the music underneath. And I wonder, I actually do wonder if the... Because you pointed it out. You said, why is there... Why are there these strings underneath as they're speaking? Like, this is dialogue, guys. Like, why are we... Yeah, it was really bizarre. But I wonder if they watched the scene and it was so poorly executed. It wasn't emotional enough that they felt they needed to, like, pump music underneath to... I think maybe that's what happened because that's the only rationale. I don't know. It just... Again, just the whole scene stylistically seemed, like, out of left field. And very dated. Very dated. Yeah, but just... Just not the same flavor as, as the whole series, mm-hmm. you know, good or bad. Anyway. Yeah, you don't yeah. need that. You don't yeah. need that. So um, that happened. And then... Yes, it did. <laughs> we had um, Jamie and Brianna and Claire begin the walk for the wedding. Right. They stand at the top of the stairs. And Sam's like, or Jamie's like, Right over here, bitches, and like something like <laughs> thing he calls out. I don't know. That was that is what he said. Fraser, yeah. Frasers are here, bitches. Yeah, yeah. and yeah. then Katrina Balf just walks down the stairs proudly. Yeah, quickly, quickly, and then and then um, this is just a technical thing, and then uh, Sam Hewen and Sophie Skelton 
obviously couldn't nail the speed because you watch because they cuts back and forth <laughs> to from different angles of Katrina Balfe and like people in the crowd, all kinds mm-hmm. of, and you can see that Sam Hewen and Sophie Skelton are at like various stages of the they're steps. Still walking like down they're just steps. like on the same step every go time ahead. they cut. If they're you've like got the time in your yeah, life. I don't know what's going on, but go ahead. They only ever like four scene. steps down every time. It's like they pause, like they take the same no, step over and over. Lower. And yeah, then the then, next but then scene, they're, they're higher, like a step again. higher, and then they're, you know, I mean, whatever. So, who's the editor of this show? Don't know. Not naming them. Ah, uh, you know what? That's not the editor's fault. Is that, it not? No, no, that's uh, that's that's like a continuity thing. Yeah. So, who is that? The producer, uh, the script supervisor, like that, that kind of like that's that's uh, people that are in charge of continuity. Okay, uh, so then. Brianna walks up to Roger. The editor, I'm sure, was banging his head against the wall in the edit suite and being like, what the hell am I supposed to do with this? I can't cut around this. And I'm sure they're like, that's all we got, bro. Or Yeah, when he showed the yeah. when he showed the final. Yeah, yeah. The no. final, they were like, what's going on? Why are they up and down the stairs so much? And he's like, because that's all we have. Yeah, you get what you get and don't be upset. Yeah. <laughs> so um, Brianna walks up to Roger with his ponytail and shaven yeah. and shaven face. Look, looking good. And he says, and again, oh, I buy what he sells. So you he love says, what I do. I think he's great. He says, you look so, and she says, I love you too. Just like that. That's a quote. <laughs> that was actually a clip from the show. Yes, it was. Can you speak to that, please? Speak to what? The, just, the just fake the, clip? <laughs> just the line delivery. I I mean, not strong, but it, it was awkward and, yeah, wooden. And it, it was, at this point, I almost feel bad. Like we're like okay. beating okay. beating yeah. Sophie okay. Skelton with a stick. Sure. Yeah, she's, okay. So then we have the whole wedding. And how did you, what did you think of the wedding? I'll just um, remind you. I'll remind you because I can see in your eyes that you're. No, no. I, I, I'm trying so to think shows of the part. Fergus and Marceline. Yeah, this is. I want. I was wondering if this was the part. This I hated. This was one of the the things that I thought was, because uh, I've been so glowing about everything else to this point. Uh, no, the the part where they're going back and forth with Fergus and Marsley and then Claire and Jamie and Claire and Jamie have their own weird wedding flashback and. Uh, they're almost yeah they're, they're, there's a, a few weird like triangle sequences you know in this episode where they bounce, bounce back I and think, forth from different characters and i, I think know. that that was fan service though was it yeah much like remember and sorry because we were no, talking please about tell me explain it to the me. music under the conversation between yeah. jamie and brianna i forgot that at the end of it he said are you ready and she said je suis prêt oh my god yeah and and you said that's called Fan service. I said, is that French for fan service is what I said. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. I made it seem less witty than you were at the time, but that is what you said. So, and I do believe that the shots back to uh, scenes from their wedding was also fan service. But again, we don't need to be hit over the head with it. Like Outlander fans, we know, we remember, we've been watching the wedding episode. We don't need flashbacks to understand that that's what these two characters are thinking about watching their daughter get married. We yeah, don't they, need that. They do it later too when there's a flashback to Stephen Bonnet raping yeah. uh, Brianna. It's like and the you, same thing. It's like you've, we've we've seen it. We know. We yeah. we know what happened. Yeah, and you actually said you're like, do they who's who's making these de- decisions? Do they do they not know that or do they think someone's just tuning in for the first time to Outlander episode one yeah. season five? Yeah. Like we know. Yeah. We know that that happened. So the 
The wedding, overall, I would say I was a little bit disappointed with the way it was shot. There was also a number of pointed, dramatic looks between both Claire and Jamie and Governor Tryon. Oh, yeah. They really it's nailed like, it over the head that okay, Governor Tryon yeah. was, in fact, at the wedding. He's at the wedding. Yeah. And they both find it strange. Yeah. Do we need four long curious shots do we need that i don't need that maybe other people do need that i don't know probably not but and again i don't know if that's direction if that's script i'm not sure what that is so you i i, I wrote down that you described the whole wedding between brianna and roger as uh vomit inducing <laughs> and that's a tragedy that is a tragedy because this is a big deal for these two characters to marry Mm -hmm. this is a big deal we love roger and we theoretically love brianna and it should be a big deal they are meant to be together they have traveled through time together yes they have been through trials and tribulations Mm -hmm. this is the moment where they reunite and become a family this is a big deal our beloved claire and jamie's only child together is getting married. That's a big deal. Yeah. That is a beautiful thing. It should not be described as vomit-inducing. <laughs> no, probably not. So I feel like maybe they missed the boat a little bit. Yeah, I'm, I mean... Because, I mean, obviously you would say it's vomit-inducing. I didn't feel like I was going to throw up watching it, <laughs> but I felt I felt not the way I probably should have. Well, and that's the thing. It's like, I didn't like it, but... Like... Surprise, surprise. I didn't like it. Right. But, for example, but you didn't I, like I did it. And that's, like it. that's nope. important. I did not care for it at all. I felt more watching Fergus and Marsley get married in season three. Right. That's not good. And I thought that that was really well done. And just the way Claire and Jamie were with each other, I remember, because I watch all the episodes, Claire kind of leaned over and put her head on Jamie's shoulder. There was no flashback. And you just kind of felt like it was a really nice scene. Yeah. So anyways... Okay, so their wedding. Then the wedding festivities begin. Mm-hmm. And Roger and Brianna feed each other cake. Yeah. Do you remember this scene? I do because Roger's starting to spout off about something and Brianna wants him to shut up. So she shoves a bunch of cake in his mouth. Right. And and she makes a comment like, well, aren't women meant to mm-hmm. always follow everything that their yeah. husbands say? And I do think that maybe one of the reasons why sometimes it's coming across as not quite right is because... They're playing that Brianna is actually, you know, a 1970s woman stuck in this time. Right. This is this scene um, goes to speaks to, again, how I feel like these two characters do not have very much chemistry at all. Mm. Because if this was Claire and Jamie doing this scene, it would seem um, kind of playful. But when it was... Uh, Roger and Brianna, it seemed like snappy. It seemed it, it seemed like like passive aggressive, fighty to You're me. Right. And I don't think that's what it was supposed to be. That's a really good observation. But it, and but I it, think you're right there. Yeah, it seemed on both their their counts. Like it seemed really passive aggressive, fighty to me. And maybe that's what it is supposed to be, but I really don't think it was. I think was. it's supposed to be playful. Yeah, I don't it didn't it didn't come across as playful to me. Hmm. Yeah. So Jocasta and Ulysses come up. I mean, I love Jocasta I and I love Ulysses. So love let's let's say good things let's about say, this show. Let's have a moment and say, yeah. well done with Jocasta and Ulysses. And I'm just going to go ahead and say that, um, although her name eludes me, I can't remember the name of the actress that plays Jocasta off the top of my head. Maria Donnelly. There you go. Mm-hmm. Big fan. 
uh, she has also recently been cast in uh, Wheel of Time uh, adaptation, which mm-hmm. I'm a big fan of, coming mm-hmm. out on Amazon Prime. Yeah. And that made me really happy. Because yeah. uh, you know, she's excellent. And she's you a know. fantastic yeah. actress. And when I saw that, I was like, awesome. More of her, except in something that I personally love. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, love to see her on screen. So they come up and Jocasta essentially asks if she can meet with Roger on his own the next yeah, day. Very mysterious. Very mysterious. Mm-hmm. Roger says for sure. And then um, after they leave, Roger makes a comment to Brianna about going back and doing it all again. Like redoing yeah. their wedding yeah. after they go back. Yeah. And Brianna kind of is like, the fuck? Like she kind of looks at him. Well, she blanks out. I think that's, yeah. I'm not sure what I she think was, it was trying. surprising. Was she surprised? I, I mean, I think she was surprised that she, she's sort of, I feel like settling in to old timey America. Which is fair. You know, her mother's there. Her yeah. father's there. Her child's there. Her friend Lizzie is there. Yeah. Her aunt is there. Her family is there. She's like, what does she really have to go back to except for electricity and... You the know, memory of Frank. Women's rights and the ability to vote. I mean, other than that... What is she you know, wanting? <laughs> what does she really want? Yeah. So then we have a moment where they're showing all the tongue twists. All of the like, oh, fun, yeah, yeah, like, that was a fun scene. I I didn't mind that scene. I yeah, thought that that was yeah, so like a party cute. game. Where yeah, it's all... a party game back yeah, in yeah. whatever. Yeah, it was some sort of old timey drink, like the beer pong of of uh, North Carolina, medieval North Carolina. Yeah, and what did yeah. you think about Marcelie in this scene? She was great. She is. You great. You know what? I, I thought she uh, she was really charming. I thought that actress did a great job, mm-hmm. and uh, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, I thought it was really, really good. Lord Lord John David Barry was. Charming. Yeah, do just things like, I'm not going to play your damn game. I'll drink your weird (laughs) cup of soup, whatever the hell this is. And yeah. Yeah. And, uh, but no, no, it was, it was a fun, fun game. Uh, some really, uh, good performances by secondary actors. One thing this show really does seem to do well, despite, uh, having issues with some of their, their leads is they always bring in strong secondary actors. You were so happy to see John Quincy John, Myers. Yeah. I love that guy. Yeah. Like that guy's a great, like I said, like if, if it was just young Ian and John Quincy and that dog, I like know. I would be all in for yeah, that. Rolo. And, yeah. yeah. Oh, Rolo and the gang. That's yeah. right. That's what it was called. Yeah. But, uh, there, there's always really strong secondary characters in the show that I like generally more than the main characters. Yeah. Well, the reason why I asked you about Marsley is that that actress was in a lot of things before Outlander, right? And you can tell, like she yeah. is, she she no, has she's got chops, yeah. She and she has strong screen presence. Yeah, yeah. She is not intimidated by the camera, right? So then we have a scene with Brianna and Claire. Brianna makes a joke about doing the mashed potato or the twist. Oh yeah, yeah, and. So, uh, Claire makes some comments about Elvis, and I think she's she's gonna go find Jamie and try and make him dance with her. And mm-hmm. Claire's basically like, "Good luck, that's not happening." Yeah, and then Lord John and Jamie go for a walk, and Lord John tells Jamie that Bonnet is still alive. Stephen yeah. Bonnet is still alive, and of course, Brianna overhears this and has a spoon feeding flashback to the fact that Stephen yeah. Bonnet raped her, yes. even though it. It showed it on the previously on Outlander. Yeah, it's like scary, scrunchy face and what happened. Oh, yeah, that's right. I got raped. And that's when you said... Not something to make light of. No, it absolutely isn't. But that's when you said, do they think anyone watching the show doesn't remember? Yeah. Yeah. There's there's a lot of beating over the head Mm -hmm. of of things. 
So then Roger comes up to uh, Claire and Brianna at one point, and he says, which one of you two ladies would like to cut a rug? Yeah. And Claire says, don't mind if I do. And that's the Claire that I love. Like, that's the Claire that was able to survive in 1740s Scotland when she time-traveled. Like, she's game for anything, and I... This is one of my favorite interactions because he, they're all, the three of them are speaking in almost a secret language, right? Which one of you wants to cut a rug? Right. Nobody else would know what he's talking about. And Claire, don't mind if I do. Always up for something. Yep. So there we go. I've said something positive about the episode. There you go. Ring the bell. All right. Yeah. And uh, Roger, can't shave, can't build a loft to save his life, certainly can't fight or make his way through a gauntlet, but... That man can dance. He's a good dancer. And he can sing. And he can sing. That's right. That's an important yeah. quality of Rogers. He's a minstrel. Yeah. Yes. Jocasta is then led through the forest by right. Ulysses into... Where's she going? ...a stick house yeah. with mud on the bottom, yeah. as she describes it. Murdy's secret sex hut. <laughs> Murdy's secret sex hut. That's, That's right. right. That's exactly where yeah. she goes to. Um, and then they, they have great chemistry. Well, they do have great chemistry. Yeah. And I will say that they also have great dialogue. Mm-hmm. And whilst they are talking, there is no dramatic music playing underneath. No. And yet, it's still quite dramatic and intriguing. Yeah, yeah. They have a little uh, little back and forth about, you know, how the fact that Murdy lives in a little stick shack. And, uh, but Murdy, what is he? I can't remember exactly what he says, but basically, like, it's his enchanted forest palace where he's going to get it on. And uh, Ulysses is who knows where, wandering around the I woods somewhere. He just standing goes right, back and right, plays, leaning is, up. You think so? Just shed. listening? <laughs> like it's just a wall of sticks. And Ulysses. Well, he needs to be available somewhere. If she calls him. I guess that's a, not the best gig, but whatever. It's not hope, the best gig. Hope he brought a book and some earplugs. So then we have Roger and Brianna, and yeah. Roger starts singing to Brianna, and we didn't look this up, but oh. that song is a like 1970s song that. 60s or yeah whatever yeah an, it's, it's an era specific song correct i don't know and what it is, but. then we have a montage jamie and claire jamie's yeah. holding the baby oh. which is another fan service moment. oh right yeah you said that sam was a Hewen, big fan service thing sam hewan did not hold the baby yeah. in season four looks so natural Outrage. doing it yeah yeah <laughs> outrage so season five holding the baby does not look natural doing it no. sam hewan obviously the baby's one leg's all scrunched up and one like sticking out and is the baby but it's like look everyone he's holding the baby yeah. and good for you for doing it sam hewan yeah like, good, for, good you, sam. for you baby's screaming they've obviously edited that out yeah and then we have a montage a is little this the montage. Sex montage this is this is what i would describe as a sex montage a sextage so a sextage yeah so um and you even said What's happening here? Are we having like a three-way sex montage? And I said, that's correct. That's Except what... it was a four-way sex montage because it was Sam Hewen, or it was Claire and Jamie. Claire and Jamie. Claire and Jamie, Roger and Brianna. Murdy and Jocasta. Murdy and Jocasta. But then they kept going back to like weird people drinking. <laughs> so yeah, it was, they did do that. Like, they did. They were just showing that the party was continuing, right. but all these no, other people No, we get it, were... but you didn't need to show us like five or six times. Plus, we know it like, it's not it's time specific. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They kept showing like old people drinking and playing mm-hmm. like, I don't know, shuffleboard like, this is or whatever what's happening the hell. while everyone yeah. else. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. like, it was, it was super weird. I thought super weird. Wasn't it super weird? I mean, there was a lot of things that were weird to me. 
I will say and that like, I just did a, I read a little interview with Ronald D. Moore, who showed up for the season five premiere. And, yeah. who, and was listed as executive producer, by the way. Just, and was listed. Just a lie. Yeah, I don't think he saw this episode first. <laughs> yeah. Um, and he said that that scene, that mm-hmm. sextage, sextage yeah. was... Copyright, Oinlander, 2020. <laughs> was... Um, just sort of a recognition and sort of a celebration of the love that these characters have because obviously there's a lot, I mean, there was sort of an ominous feel to the second half of the episode and a lot is going to go down with these characters. So he said that this was a moment mm-hmm. of peace and celebration of love for these characters who are beloved yeah. within the Outlander community. So that's what was the intention. The final sextage before everything goes to shit. Right. Right. So also not, some people drinking and having fun. Not being aware of that, it was I was I was a little bit confused because Claire and Jamie are babysitting, but they oh. they need to be with one another right. on this night, even though the baby is crying constantly. And you said, "quote Let's just fuck through it," yeah. which they do. They do. And then they show Murdy, and he's it's got some sort of side mount going well, on. He's not really sure what's pumping. happening. He's slow yeah. pumping. But also like kind of like at, a, see, like at no, about a 45 degree angle. It's almost like yeah. side pumping. Yeah, yeah. But thank you. slow humping, side pumping. I'm not right. sure. Copyright Lauren Lander, 2020. <laughs> um, and then we have Roger and Brianna. Yeah. And this sex scene, I, this was uh, the editing. God. It was badly done. Let's, First of all, you again, pointed no out... no chemistry. No chemistry. You pointed out that Richard Rankin had been waxed. They shaved his back and his, and his, and his buttocks. It. They probably yeah. waxed it. Maybe, But yeah. he wasn't furry the way he yeah. was in their original wedding. Yeah. Where they were hand-fast. Um, but yeah, just like the clips, the shots, and then they show her feet. And it's like, okay, no, we get it. Like, why right. are you... It's almost... It's a lot to take in. Well, and another thing, and this is something I'm wondering about uh, to the calling out to the, the people out there that love love the good old sextages. Yeah. Um, no nudity, really, in this. There was like... A bum. Th- there was Sophie Skelton's bum, and that was it. And Richard Rankin's. Did we see Rank Bum? Yeah, and like, we, we saw, just saw a little like bit a, of humans. Like a sh- we saw but, humans. But not like anything, like, for sure for Claire and Jamie, nothing, no topless. You didn't even see Jamie's toplessness like you barely I, I had to kind of like look around the corner to see if you even had scars anymore <laughs> yeah you like, did you were about to call them out on that. yeah on no scars and yeah. uh, their scars were very understated but uh yeah like there was no really anything there you know so so the nudity you know which was you know in the first couple seasons you know i would say like at a strong seven mm-hmm. uh you know was was at like a two i would say yeah yeah which, so, so it would be interesting to know, did other people like the sextage? Did other people, yeah. like, is that stimulating? Are we happy watching Brianna and Roger? Did you like the sextage? Did you like the sextage? Let us know. Because I did not. No. And. No. And. Uh, I mean, of course I didn't. You don't even no, mean to tell but, that, but there's ways to do it. Yeah. Okay. So then that ends. Okay. And we have. Uh, a pretty important moment, I would say, between Jocasta and Murdy, where Jocasta says that she has been proposed oh, yeah. to by Duncan. I mean, I always pronounced it Ines, but I think it's Innes. Yeah. That's um, what they said, he's yeah. proposed marriage 
And, and have we we have not seen this character in the show. Him. Now he I know he doesn't have an arm. I, I don't know, know if they're going to do that in right. the in the show, but he does not have an arm. I, I know it's a book character. He's that, a book that, character. That Murdy has taken a lot of his yes. of his swag up to this point, but yes, he's an older character, mm-hmm. and he was in prison with Jamie at Ardsmere. At Ardsmere, yeah, Murdy wasn't. Murdy died right. on the Battle of Culloden. Right. So anyway, they, so for when whatever Jamie reason, goes to Ardsmere, Duncan. Inies, Inies, Inies. Whatever. Not Duncan sure. Hines. Yeah. Yeah, he's Cakeman. with him, and then he connects to Jocasta. Right. But he is a Scottish person yeah. who's lost an arm, Almost and Scott. so this is a this is a huge moment, and I know that a lot of people really don't like the Murdy Jocasta thing because it goes against the books, but I love it, mm-hmm, and me too. this to me is kind of um, red flaggy because this to me is showing it's beginning of the end of Murta. I feel it like is. it is the beginning of the end of Murdy. Yeah, yeah, sure. I think that this is them saying. And then look, fan service, we are going back to how it's supposed to be because right. every that was something people were really concerned about. They were really worried that Mur- Murta was going to marry Jocasta and that's not what's supposed to happen, right? And I was hoping for it, personally. I think that yeah, they Yeah, more easily... Murdy's good Murdy. Yeah. So that was a really, really big deal. And uh... Well, and then Mur- and the other thing that makes it seem like it's going to happen is that then Murtaugh like old yellers her. He does. Right. He Cause he, he basically says, sure. she says, I haven't said yes. I goes, I want to talk to you. And Murtaugh's like, no, you should fucking do it. Yeah. He's like, yeah, I want you to be yeah. super happy. So yeah. you go ahead and. Joe Cass is sad, sad uh, caster. I know. Yeah. yeah. So that was, that was an interesting scene. And but then, that means he's gone. Ugh. Pardon? But that means I think he's it gone. Might. Yeah. I think Definitely it might. Qua. With maybe like. Gonzo. Special he's gonna guest die. appearances. No, he's going to die. He'll die this season. Why do you say that? He's going to die. I don't think he's going to die. Why would you say that? Why would you say that he's going to die? If he's going to die, he would have died in this season. In sorry, in this episode. No, they're going to they're going because there's going to be this long winded thing. No, there's going to be a chase. There has to be like a scene with him and Jamie where Jamie has to choose or something. It's going to have. It's like totally. Trust me. Trust me, Loins. It's going to happen. He's going to die. He so, might sacrifice himself for Jamie is what I think is going to happen. If, if people were asking my opinion, he's, he's going to do something. He's going to sacrifice himself so that like Jamie's cover doesn't get blown or something like that. Like he will, he is going to die, but I, I'm hoping, you know, knock on desk that it'll be in some sort of noble fashion. It's a very murdy thing to do, but yeah, he's, he's dead. He's going to die. This is it this season. Well, it'll be interesting because in the book, when Murta does die, he dies on the Battle of Culloden, but Jamie's right there with him, and he push, he's up against a tree, and it's a very descriptive passage. He's sitting up against a tree. He's still alive. Jamie sits beside him. They talk, and he says, don't worry about me. I'm not afraid to die. It doesn't hurt at all. He's like, it doesn't hurt at all to die. Well, it'll be interesting to see if um, they just pick that up and put it here. I'm wondering if they're going to now yeah. that you've said that. You didn't think he was going to die. No, it didn't even occur to me until you just said that. No, he's going to die. Why? I mean, they're, they're not just, he's not just going to be like, and then Murdy opened a tobacco store in Colorado at the end. Like, no, he's going to, they're going to write him off the show. I mean, honestly, now that you're saying that, the fact that she is going to marry yeah, Duncan, whatever, it makes me feel like it is kind of leaning towards that. Yeah. That they knew that this was a beloved character, that Murta was a really big deal for the show. So he should have been gone after season two and they pushed him along to season five. Mm-hmm. And it, that's like a... Party's a, over. Party's yeah. over. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Well, sorry, to, sorry to 
break that egg for you. You did break that egg for me. So then um, we have Claire running her doctor's office. Yeah. Yeah. She's got her own little clinic going on. Does she charge people, do you think? Or is that free? Think they're making money off her doctoring services? I didn't read the book carefully enough to know, but anyone that did, please let us know. Yeah, I was just curious about that because that's quite a little industry back there. She had a lot of people waiting. She did have a lot of people waiting. And I did like this scene Mm because it shows, and this is one of the things that the book is really good at describing, is that when Claire is back in time, she actually has more agency and purpose and she thrives. Yeah. Right? And they kind of show that. And Jamie is always 100% supportive of it. Right. Which is unusual for the time. So I like I like that dynamic. And I also liked the humor when he said, I'm going to leave you to your wee invisible beasties. And he <laughs> kind of... Bacteria. Yeah. And he yeah. waves his hand in the air yeah. and she says it's called bacteria. And he kind of rolls his eyes. I like that. That's like a playful... Is this the scene with the 12-year-old hunter? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't really get that. Is he a guy? Is He's he a, a guy. He is a guy. Yeah. yeah. He'll be a guy for sure. Okay. And I can't really speak to it because I skimmed. He seemed very young. Too young. I think he's probably 17. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. The weird maid was really into him, though. Lizzie. Yeah. And she recovered from young Ian. Yeah. Very quickly. Were we surprised at the lack of conversation about young Ian? Well, he's gone. I think that guy, I think he might show up at some point. I mean, I've read enough. He shows up. Yeah, I mean, I don't want to spoil anything, but. Right. Like Murdy's death. I don't think, I mean, I guess he will. You're you're very good at predicting what happens in shows. We'll see. Um... Okay, so then Jamie leaves Claire and he and Governor Tryon have a conversation about the fact that they're officially looking for Murta and that he wants him hanging by a tree. Yeah. He says provincially wide, everyone knows we, we need to make this a lesson. Right. And basically alluding to the fact also that Jamie has been... Yeah. He thinks Jamie's been beating around the bush. Yeah. Like he, he's like, uh, you know, I've gotten your letters and I understand what you're saying, but you know it's it's not enough and you know the the long story short is he thinks jamie's been screwing him over or screwing him around you know leading him on mm-hmm. so he's like you got to get murtaugh fitzgibbons oh by the way i'm also leaving uh one of my lieutenants and a bunch of his soldiers and uh you guys are gonna leave in a week and go kill him the end so and and you said ooh, stressed jay frey yeah he was stressed jay he frey. was yeah. stressed jay yeah frey like for sure. no poker face whatsoever like he's like <laughs> yeah except he's like stress 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 and he's like smiles like oh okay well that's great and uh mm-hmm. yeah but but yeah no the governor Tryon knows what's going on so yeah it's basically saying you know reading between the lines it's like it's murtaugh's ass or yours right you, you pick so then jamie goes to his um trunk yeah, he opens his, his action trunk, trunk. And he's got his All of his Culloden makeup. He's got his, his kilt and yeah. his dirk. And yeah. there's a really cool Gaelic song yeah. in the background. Really it's it. beautiful. I love that song. I don't know what it is. What it no. is. But I would I would listen to that all the time. I'm surprised you haven't yet. And Claire sees him. Yeah. And I'm sorry to say that they do another zoom in on her face. It's like, no, no, we get it. It's impactful. Mm-hmm. And uh, you said, and I quote, I want to rip that action quilt right off and fuck like there's a baby crying in the next room. <laughs> that was the look she gave him. That was the look she gave him. She wanted to go back to the sextage. And I think they did. Oh, no, they didn't. No, because they didn't. then okay. he went outside and tried to gather everyone to stand by my oh, hand. Oh, that's right. Yeah, this was his big Braveheart speech. 
And he looks at Ro in front and, of and the he, fiery cross. In front of the fiery cross, which was really bothering you because you said it was CG. There's a lot of CG fire there. In the wide shots, you can tell that I it's CG. I liked it. I thought it looked good. I mean, it didn't look bad, but it was just pretty obvious to me that it was like CG fire because. You're like, those sticks would be gone. Those are dry twigs. It's fake. Yeah, there was a couple shots that were real fire, but there's yeah. uh, the tight shots were real fire. But uh, the the all the wide shots with Jamie, it was all just CG fire. Uh, which I found distracting. But uh, yeah, so he does this big, impactful speech. And he's like, who's with me? And he points to Roger. And Roger's like, not, not me, dude. <laughs> and yeah. he's just like, they have this stare down. where, And then someone else is like, like I'm with you. I'm with you. <laughs> and he's like, uh, okay. <laughs> and then he says, Captain Roger McKenzie, yeah, come over here. You and coward, beardless shit. Get your ass up here. And Roger says, Captain. And he's like, just if you're a captain, yeah. you'll be safe because yeah. you'll be with your me. pussy ass will be protected by me. Yeah, it's like, Ooh. what does Roger do? Seriously. And then, I don't know. He's, I mean, in the in the book, he's very charming. He couldn't be less charming or useful in this show. And that is something I will just say again that was like, slightly disappointing because right. I thought that they had a lot of backlash on Roger. So I thought that yeah. they would do something to kind no. of redeem him. Who's going to protect their family? Not me. Like, that's <laughs> that, that was like, come on. And then like, right after that, Jamie turns and looks at Fergus and says, son of my name and of my heart, come on over here. And it's like, yeah, that's right. Like, that's where we're at. Yeah. Because he loves Fergus. He does love Fergus. So then we have another scene where Claire and Jamie are standing over a hill and there's another wicker cross. And you're like, who keeps building these wicker crosses? Yeah, it's like, those can't be easy to build. You just burnt the other one. Like, do you have like a storeroom full of them? Like, I don't understand. And what were they even looking at? I don't, I don't know. It was a I don't scene. know. Then we have um, Jocasta and Roger, that yeah. scene. Yeah, I like, you know, this is one of my favorite scenes. So yeah. And you know what? This is out of order, actually. This, oh, what This happened before... The Jocasta and Roger scene happened um, right when, right before we had Claire in her doctor's. Oh, okay. So, well, it, but it was just like a scene kind of right. onto itself. Pretend like we talked about this before. And uh, she says, did my niece tell you that I'd offered her to be heiress to my property? And then she says that she's changed her mind and it's going to Jeremiah. It's basically, the whole thing is a test. Yeah. To see. You're like, I'm not giving it to Brianna. I'm giving it to the kid. And Roger's like, the kid. And she's like, the kid. You know, basically to say, the only way you're going to get this money is if you love and take care of this kid. Yeah. Yeah. And Roger, in a, like a really un-Roger turn, actually, like, grows a pair and, and starts going at Jocasta. Maybe because she's an old blind lady and he thinks that that's like punching his weight. But like, yeah. you know, he 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 actually gets at her. And Lewis, Ulysses is kind of... I think he... I think gave him a couple looks there. Well, Ulysses we, and Jocasta, I think, were both hoping for this. Yeah, exactly. And Roger at the end tells her to cram it up her hole. Yeah, which And I she like. just smiles like Jocasta, which is why it's such yeah, a shame because she and Murty... Murty are yeah. perfect for each other. Right. Totally. Murtaugh would also love if someone told him to cram something absolutely, in his like, Absolutely. And then, yeah. Lucy so, said, is that what you were thinking? And she said, that yeah. went even better than I had hoped. Oh, yeah. No, they were kind of like, when Roger stormed away, they kind of like High shared five. a little, yeah, a little <laughs> wink, wink, nudge, nudge with each other. Ulysses was totally in on the game. Yes, he knew what was yeah. happening. Yeah. So, then, final scene. Yeah, Jamie goes to find Murdy in the forest. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
Yeah. What did you think of the scene? It, it was good. It was a touching and it was a bit of a, it was a touching scene where they talk and then Jamie kind of pulls a, pulls a Murtaugh and he like old yellers Murtaugh. He does a little Kind of. Bit. He doesn't really go like full, like get out of here. I don't love you anymore, old yeller. But, uh, you know, like basically he says, he, make it so you can't be found. Well, and he says, you know, you we have, the, you know, this bond and a commitment to me and I release you from it. Mm-hmm. And you can tell that that just like caught Murdy to the bone. Well, Jamie is as close to a son. Yeah. As... Well, and, and he's. Yeah. Yeah. Like, oh, God. Like I felt like and this was again, like this is a good example of where you have good actors and good uh, chemistry you don't need musical swells and dramatic no. pushes like the look on uh duncan lacroix's face was not like you could tell there was pain there yeah where you like that like he he was basically saying i'm not your son anymore go away yeah you know yeah you know not in a mean way but like please just just leave and uh no it was good it was like the most uh you know certainly probably the only scene with emotion in the whole show but I it was it, it was really really great and it's like super sad it's going to be even sadder when murtaugh dies uh because they have the best connection probably in the whole show even like i find their connection even more real than claire and jamie like they're they're thick as thieves those two claire and jamie's chemistry has changed which is maybe okay well claire and jamie have changed like yeah. they're boring now yeah. they do and, and i mean i'm not even saying that to be negative like they're just their characters do nothing like mm-hmm. before it was like you know scottish warrior on the run and time traveling damsel and now it's just like you had you said little house on the prairie mm-hmm. like it's like jamie yeah. runs his plantation and he's looking for someone to hunt meat for them and claire's running her doctor shop and it's like it's the we talked about this after the show but it's like their story is over you know, from a well, they're bringing up new stories. No, but, but like the grand arc you. that yeah. it began at the beginning, Absolutely. like that—that that story yeah. is done. Yeah, like, like it, it's it's, and now they're just they're just trying to find things for them to do. Yeah. But but the but their arc, their like interesting arc anyway, mm-hmm. is over. Like yeah. that's it. Like yeah. they're this is we're now just bleeding into happily ever after. Right. And yeah. there's a reason why they say and they lived happily ever after and then end the story. Because right. it's boring. Right. Right. Well, I will say, because I do follow all of the Outlander fan sites. I've heard. That a lot of true fans, um, like, like true book fans, right. they the thing that they love the most about these books are the minute details that go into them. And the fact that they feel like they know these people's everyday lives. The ins and the outs. And they love that. So Good for... for but for a viewer, it's maybe not that interesting to watch the trajectory of the story when, like, there isn't one. Yeah. But for a reader who these people are as alive to them as anyone, they really like that everyday sort of monotony realism. So that's something. Another thing I wanted to bring up just about the Jamie and Murta ending is that it was sort of a nice completion. Like in the very beginning, they show Murtaugh yeah. with Jamie, and Jamie had nothing and no one. He couldn't have been more alone. And Murtaugh was like, I am here for you. And then at the end, Murtaugh says to him, because of the stones, you have everything you want. You've got your wife, you've got a child, mm-hmm. you've got family, you've got money, you've got a house. So for And all I don't in- resent you for and it. And I don't resent you for it. But for all intents and purposes... You don't need me to protect you anymore. Like you're like it. It, it was a good. Mm-hmm. 
it was an interesting sort of juxtaposition like that versus that if you just take those two scenes like jamie isn't in need of, of Murta as much anymore yeah although i also found it interesting that he kind of was like hey you know a bunch of people that can time travel can any of them kind of fix this shit <laughs> Was sort of a, a little bit of an illusion that I well, yeah, got. Yeah, because Jamie said, if you just wait a little bit, we'll be on the same yeah. side. Like, this is going to happen. Yeah. And then this is going to happen. Right. And Murta says, there's always another war coming up. You need to pick what's important to you. This is important to me. You're happy, but you're on a different side. So. Yeah. Mur Murta is being decidedly un a little bit in this scene. Like, one thing that I liked about Murta is that he was always... Um, quite sensible you know he was always the smart choice that they never listened to which is mm. kind of what i liked about him and the smart play if murdon knows what's going to happen is that he would just lay low and wait it all out but you know they've, they've kind of built in now this well he's probably always had it but this like sense of you know uh fire and, and disdain for the british and that sort of thing so he's gonna do he's basically saying i'm gonna do this even though i know it's stupid and i'm gonna die which is kind of un -Murta, but Whatever, that's where we're going. But I think that they're just trying to also play the fact that he's the same Scottish warrior that we met, mm -hmm. and he will never, unlike Jamie, who has kind of adapted and played many roles and parts and names. He's sold himself out. He is sold. I mean, he has a number of times, yeah. though, right? Like, he's changed his name. He's lived in a cave. Yeah. He's lived. He's, like, learned how to but print, he's, print newspapers. Yeah. Like, he is adapted. No, but he's, like, he's working for the man he now. Is. Like, yeah. he is he has, he has a complete and utter sellout. But he also has a lot of responsibility. You might sell out, too, for your family. 100%. I'm not yeah. saying that it's a bad thing, but, like, from Murtaugh's point of view, like, Murtaugh's sticking to his guns come hell or the headsman, and Jamie's just doing what he's got to do to get by, which I can kind of respect. Right. So that scene was heartbreaking. Yeah. And when Murta walked away, Sam Hewen acted the heck out of it. Yeah. It was very sad. Yeah, it was super sad. And then uh, cut to black. And? And then that music came back. That Gaelic music that I loved so much and was kind of a nod to Murta as he walked away because mm -hmm. he's sticking with that music and that sort of thing of life and and i'm pretty sure jamie said something to him in gaelic at one point or gallic in one point in that scene because it didn't seem like english i think he called him uncle in gaelic i'll take your word for it mm -hmm. anyways that was the episode that was the episode so at the end of the episode i said to you that i this was, I'm just going to say it, this was probably my least favorite Outlander episode. Of all time, you said. Of all time. Yeah. 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 Uh, and I said, There have been other episodes that I've struggled to watch. Mm -hmm. For example, that episode in season four where they hung that mm -hmm. young yeah, boy. Like, or the, and then there was another one, oh, the woman burning in season four. Like, there have been some really disturbing things, but they've been very well done. Yeah. This episode was very disappointing to me. So I said to you, I'm like, I said, I think this is the worst one. And you said, it's not the worst one. And I said, well, what, what has been worse than this? And you said, the one where, <laughs> the one where he got Claire to suck on that soapy face cloth. Yeah, that was. But that wasn't a worse one because there was some really cool things that happened in that episode. That was the season finale of season three. Right. Where they. And there was that ship. Fell and off the, the ship. Fell off and, yeah. the ship. Like there was some good stuff that happened. 
Yeah, I mean, God, looking back now, seems amazing. But uh, at the time, didn't. Uh, but here's what I will say about um, this season. And I, again, I mean this not necessarily negatively, but it can only get better uh, in the sense that this episode had no antagonists in it whatsoever except i guess maybe you could count governor trying mm-hmm. but like there is an illusion of the fact that there is going to be a hunt for murtaugh stephen bonnet is still out there which obviously he's gonna show up or why would they drop his name you, you know there's um there was no conflict in this episode at all it so it was super boring and the mm-hmm. wedding was super boring and everything mm-hmm. was super boring and badly uh, shot and yeah it, it was just that yeah it could have made it better but Mm -hmm. but even if it was amazingly uh executed Mm -hmm. it was still nothing happened of any real you know there was a a bit of you know some setup for for this season coming up but even that not that much so i think you know this was uh, an episode that they just needed to get a a bunch of stuff out of the way yeah maybe could have been could have been shorter that's for sure i will also say that one of like even people who love the books the fiery cross the first 600 or 700 pages, it's all the same day. Yeah, and even Diana Gabaldon has admitted she wouldn't do that again. Right. So they cut a ton out for this first episode. It's a good plan. This is a tough interpretation. Just after all yeah, of my yeah. <laughs> criticism, it is a tough interpretation. Right. So, so, so I'm, I'm not, you know, as, as much as we're killing this episode, um, I, there is potential. You know, like, I really like the Stephen Bonnet character. Mm-hmm. Um, I've said all last season that, you know, this this show uh, really lacks a true antagonist. Yeah. You know, uh, John Quincy Myers is back. We know we're going to see Young Ian again. Lord uh, John Gray. Lord John Gray. Charm, charm, charm. Oh, can't get enough Lord John Gray. Mm-hmm. Just give me that Lord John Gray show already. Come on. Uh, you know, that kind of thing. All these secondary characters who I love. You know, we're going to see more of them, um, I hope. Uh, yeah, so so there's some potential here. Yep. Yeah. Okay, I'm so favorite scene from the episode. Favorite scene from the episode? Oh, it was the end scene with yeah. Murtaugh and and, uh, and Jamie. Yep, yeah, same for me. Yeah, it was a great scene. Least favorite scene? I mean, it's got to be the sextage, I would think. Mm. It was just... I mean, it wasn't sexy at all, for one thing. Like, it didn't even give you an opportunity to, even if you're in it for the, like, sexiness, even the people that tune into this show for the sex scenes, mm-hmm. it, it when you're jumping around to three different people and random party goers, it's like, there's nothing sexy about that. Yeah, Like, it's just a bunch of flushy shots cut together and some 45-degree angle side humping. Yeah. Like, you, you know, like, there was nothing <laughs> sexy about it. I mean... Yeah. I, I'm if, maybe we're wrong maybe though. other people found that email sexy us. let us know that's right yeah email us at uh, loinlander at gmail.com or uh, reach out to us on twitter at loinlander or facebook we're all over the place come yeah. come find us yeah yeah so my least favorite scene was the interaction between jamie and brianna with the weird score over top that did suck too yeah um and i can completely understand why that would be anyone's least favorite scene for right sure. mvp Murtaugh, come on. Always Murtaugh. Or Sam Hewen. Yeah, Murtaugh probably for me, but Sam Hewen was great. He was good. He was really good. Yeah. Okay, what would you give this out of 100? Are we doing lowering points? Uh, I don't know. 13. Okay. You? 15. <gasps> One five. 
I know. What? I know. I don't even know what your old time low is, but it's certainly I think my low is maybe like eighty. Like, no, I think it's it's sixty five or seventy though. Right, um, but yeah, fifteen. I would give this a one five. Wow. Yeah. Wow. And, and there goes all of our listeners. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Okay. No. Well, we're auditioning for a new Loinlander lover on this podcast. Uh, so please send yeah, in resumes this, to loinlandergmail.com. I this. I mean, season four. I think we know. Season four broke my heart a little it bit. Did. It, it did. really did. You came um, in with a chip on your shoulder this season. So, but I didn't come in with a chip on my shoulder. What I came in with was a lot of hope because yep. there was a lot of backlash on season no, four. You're right. and it wasn't just me. There was a lot of Outlander fans out there who did not like season four. And I was hoping that we would see some sort of revision. And I did not see that. In fact, this scene, this, <laughs> sorry, I was thinking of that scene with Jamie and Brianna. This episode to me was worse than any episode of season four. And that's a cry and shame. But as you would say, it can only get better. So, obviously, I'm going to tune in next week. I'm going to watch the episode on my own. Then I'm going to sit beside you while you watch the episode and write down everything. We're going to sit side by side with our brand new microphones. We're both in it to the end. We're in it until the end, no matter what. Come along for the ride. Please do. Please do. And until next time... Have a great week. See you later. Promise me I'll be back in time. This is a microphone test from Joe's side of the mic. My name is Joe and I got a mic. This is a test from Megan's side of the mic. It's very fancy. Had too much wine.